from the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. I'm Kyle. And we are excited to be back with you for another week. We're just just coming off of some great podcasts that we've had in the past few weeks and just have some good feedback from you guys. And so we're really excited to be back with you for another week. This week, we're going to talk about kind of a heavy topic, a topic that's not normally talked about, especially in the church something that's kind of shied away from, but it's something that is extremely important that we bring awareness to and that we we talk about. And you know, as well as, as I do on this show, we do not shy away from the difficult topics. We believe that all of the topics that we talk about that are difficult are necessary. And so today we're going to talk about domestic violence, and we're going to talk about that in in the church. Um, you know, we know it happens outside of the church, but it also happens in the church, and a lot of people are not aware of that. I don't think that they realize it is as prevalent as it is, and it's something that our men and women they need a voice, and this is prominently, you know, predominantly it is women who are suffering this, but men also, you know, they have a women who are abusing them as well. But today we're going to talk predominantly about the women who suffer in this area. And so it's super important. And we always say that when we're not a complete expert at something, even though we're both pastors and we have counseled people in these areas, uh, we wanted to bring on an expert, somebody who's been through it, someone who is an advocate for other people to have a voice. And so today we have Doris Rivera Black. She is she's a speaker. She's an advocate. She's an author. Her book, Clothed in Strength, you're definitely going to want to pick that book up. And she talks about her story in that book, and she has an incredible story. And you're going to hear that story today. You may have seen her on Oprah and a lot of other places where she has shared her story. Uh, But we have Doris on the show today. Doris, thanks for coming on to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. Thank you both for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so... Let's talk and let's jump right into this domestic violence. Um, and, you know, when you were younger, I'm sure you heard of domestic violence when you were in maybe high school or, or, or something like that. Um, but what was your sense? I mean, did you really understand that, that term or really understand how prevalent it was in our society? That's a great question. I actually did not understand a whole lot about domestic violence growing up. In my mind growing up, I thought domestic violence meant physical violence. I thought it meant, you know, if a spouse 
hurt another spouse, you know, by slapping, hitting, punching, roughing them up. That to me was domestic violence. I never knew that it included um, any other, any other things such as emotional, emotional um, damage and, and psychological manipulation and, and so many other things that domestic violence in, in includes. Uh, but to me growing up, I thought, well, you know, if they're not physically hurting each other, then there's no, there's no domestic violence there. And that's kind of what I understood growing up about domestic violence. And actually that carried into my adult years too, into uh, through when I went through what I went through. Cause I, when I went through my situation, it wasn't physical so much. Um, the physical portion happened at the end. Um, it was a lot of emotional abuse, psychological intimidation. So yeah. um, that's a great question because a lot of people misunderstand that as being, they hear the, ver the word violence mm -hmm. and they think of it as that physical violence when there's so much more to it than just the violence, the physical violence. Yeah, I think as Americans, we kind of, you know, we watch cops. And we, you know, we we have this picture of the, you know, the you know the guy standing, you know, with a beer in his hand on the on the porch, yelling at his wife while the you know the cops are approaching the door, and we like, you know, and and she's screaming, saying he hit me, and I mean that's our view of what domestic violence is, um, but it's so much more, and I think there are so many victims out there that are silent; they just. They feel like they don't have a voice or they feel like that they can't speak up. They're suffering. And I, you know, I think about this during the pandemic. One of the things that I've been just very concerned about is, you know, when things are shut down, people are stuck and kind of just stuck inside with their abusers, you know, whether it be sexual or, 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 you know, um, you know, physical in some other type of way or mental, whatever the case may be. You know, people are kind of, in a sense, trapped with these people, whereas before, maybe they could get some relief when they went to work or something like that. And so it's even more, it's something that we should be talking about even more. So let's let's get into your story a, a, li a little bit. So, I mean, you were kidnapped by your estranged husband and, and sexually assaulted. Like, just can you walk us through kind of, and you were actually a, a police officer at this particular time. Um, right. So walk us through this, what happened here. Sure. So, um, it, it, you know, I'll try to make it to where I'm not drawing it out because it's, there's so much that I can share. Um, Feel free. But, you know, when I met my, when I met this man, I was a very young mother of two little girls and had uh, recently split up with my first husband and we were going to be going through divorce and all of that. And, you know, I married really young. I was 18 years old when I had my first baby and, you know, we were a military family and, you know, we we're just so young and immature. We didn't know how to do this thing called marriage. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I remember, cause I grew up very Catholic and I remember being told you don't divorce you just don't divorce. This is something mm. you don't do. It is a sin if you divorce. And there's this, a lot of sh shame that was taught to me growing up, not purposefully, because I, I love my mom and dad. They're, they meant the best for me. However, there was a lot of sort of this shame and guilt mm. type of religion that, mm -hmm. was, uh, that was taught to me. And so 
already when this marriage failed, my my girls, dad and I split up and, and we kind of gave up. This was sort of a layer of shame that I had. And so here I am. I, I, I was very insecure growing up. I did uh, experience, unfortunately, some sexual abuse as a child by a very trusted family member who's no longer here with us. So there, there was a lot of emotional baggage, I guess, that I did not confront as a child. I didn't confront it even as a young adult. It didn't surface until later, until I was in this abusive relationship. And so I was left shamed. I was left feeling like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I make life work? And then here comes Mr. Charming. And um, he, he, you know, was pursuing me at work. I, you know, I was working at this place trying to make ends meet because <laughs> mm-hmm. now I'm single mom, that kind of thing. And, you know, I kind of sensed that he was interested, but I was like, no, I'm not even divorced yet. Like I can't do this. And, um, but he was so friendly and so sweet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been treated this way. This is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I made it known to him. I'm not interested in a relationship. This is what's happening. And he was very respectful of that, but he continued to pursue me in not so obvious ways. So uh, for instance, he'd, he'd come to work one day and he'd be like, Oh my goodness, I cooked this, um, these amazing chicken tacos. And I brought you some, you know, <laughs> or he'll come another day and say, Hey, I know you have two little girls. I saw these little teddy bears and I thought your girls would like them. And so just subtly just little mm. things here and there. And I was like, wow, this, mm-hmm. wow, this is amazing. And so slowly but surely, it just, it, I, I started falling. I don't know if it was infatuated at the time or, or, or I thought in love mm-hmm. with this man. And um, he was just the kindest, sweetest man that I'd ever met. <laughs> And mm-hmm. so um, we started actually talking more and it be, and it turned into a relationship. So um, that relationship quickly, you know, um, it, it just it went fast. And I kept, you know, I, I remember him telling me, you're going to be my wife one day. You're going to be my wife one day. And, and I was like, well, we'll see what happens, that kind of thing. And sure enough, um, just short of a year um, after divorcing and, and, and all of that, just short of a year. And just to make it clear, I was not following the Lord on any of this at the time. Actually, at this point in my life, I had distanced myself from the Lord. It had been something that I kind of put away. You know, mm-hmm. I had this sort of this fear of God, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what it was instilled in me. But I said, you know, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that, that God of wrath. <laughs> so I kind of just tucked him away on a shelf somewhere and just didn't have a relationship with, with God at the time. So I just wanted to make that clear. Not that those of us that are Christians are perfect in making right. decisions anyways, but just wanted to make that clear. So we, you know, we ended up getting into this relationship. He was so wonderful. I mean, he was wonderful to my girls. He was wonderful to me. He treated me like I, I say porcelain doll, like he was so tender wow. and sweet with me. And, you know, I, I fell in love. I fell in love and, and we ended up getting married and like I said, just short of a year, we get married and things begin to kind of subtly change. Uh, little things here and there that just did not make sense, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. 
sometimes we go through things and, and, and it's those things that make you go, hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we've all experienced that. Sure. And, uh, but you can't quite understand, you can't explain it away. And so that, those are the feelings I was getting. And there were things that were inconsistent with, with the stories he would tell me about his ex-wife and his ex-girlfriends and uh, his situation with, um, you know, like with, with work and he, he was in the Marines and he, there was just so many inconsistencies, but I couldn't quite put them together. And in my mind, I was thinking, well, no, he's great. Like, what am I, why am I so worried? You know, he, he treats me well. He, he, you know, he helps around the house, you know, he helps, he cooks, he cleans, he does all these wonderful things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I thought this was the perfect relationship. And so um, one thing to note is when I grew so I grew up in a Puerto Rican family mm-hmm. and um, which I love, love the culture, but in, in, in the Puerto Rican culture, it's it's very common to where the 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 husband makes most of the decisions and it's not abuse and i want to clarify that it's a cultural thing right mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. mom was perfectly fine with it she never had an issue she was the one that cooked and cleaned and all that my dad would work and he kind of made the decisions and it was more of a cultural thing it wasn't a it wasn't a, an abusive situation but i remember growing up thinking uh-uh. <laughs> it's gonna happen in my marriage when I get older. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, my husband's gonna help me clean. My husband's gonna help, you know, that kind of like like feistiness growing up. Sure. And so when I was in this relationship with this man, he did those things. He helped mm. me cook. He helped me clean. He put in work around the house. We both worked. He helped take care of the kids. And so I was like, this is perfect. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, but little did I know that was kind of part of his, uh, facade, right? Uh, because, you know, something that a lot of people don't realize is that abusers, especially when, when it's a, a, an abuser that is narcissistic, that kind of has sociopathic tendencies, mm-hmm. they're very strategic, mm-hmm. right? They're very intentional, and so there's a grooming process that happens, sort of like um, a sexual abuser when mm-hmm. they abuse a, a child or someone in a position of trust. There's a grooming phase mm-hmm. where they want that person to trust them, where they want that person to think of them as their world. And this is exactly what he was doing mm-hmm. in this relationship. And um, it, it was very strategic. So when I finally started seeing some major signs of, hey, this is not okay. This can't be okay. This isn't healthy. This, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling so broken? What, what is going on? Um, I was in love with him and I didn't, I didn't want to break off this marriage. I had already failed in my mind at that first marriage. Mm-hmm. And I thought I cannot have a second marriage. My family's going to think I'm a failure. I can't do this. Mm. Um, so I tried, I tried so hard to keep this marriage together. But unfortunately, when you're in an abusive relationship, when somebody is, is literally trying to control everything about this marriage in a manipulative way, in a, in a kind of an evil way, sometimes, it's difficult 
to to correct that marriage. It's difficult to to heal that marriage unless that person doing the abuse can actually take responsibility for that and 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 say I need help. Mm-hmm. If if they can if they can take responsibility, true responsibility and say yes, I have a problem, I need help. There's going to be little or no change in that mm-hmm. marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so things began to, you know, surface, you know, more lies about his past. Um, I would catch lies and catch him in lies. I would catch him in all kinds of just inconsistencies. And then he began to subtly want to control things that I would do. So for instance, um, at the time, this is be- before I met him before I became a law enforcement officer. I told him I wanted to be, you know, go, you know, apply to become a cop. And it was something that I'd wanted to do as a child. And he wasn't so happy about that. And Mm. um, he tried to put in any excuse, you know, every excuse is why it wouldn't work for me. And I said, you know, I'm sorry, because this is what a lot of people also misunderstand is usually, you know, it's not always the, the victim in these cases isn't always somebody who's passive and just, you know, oh, poor me situation. I was Mm -hmm. extremely feisty. I was (laughs) very Mm -hmm. strong willed. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, but he was so good at manipulating things in my life. And so when he told me I couldn't, that I shouldn't be a cop, I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to apply. In his mind, he thought, Oh, you know, you're this because I'm five foot four, 120 pounds. I'm this little bitty thing. Mm-hmm. And I think in his mind, he didn't think that I could get in. And um, so then he gave me his blessing and okay, fine. I think, you know, you, you could do this. And, and so I got in the very first time that I applied and I tested and got into the academy. And then things really started to shift after mm. that. So For instance, he, you know, he would take issue with me working out. You know, I wanted to be fit for my job. And and, um, he started thinking in his mind, I was working out so that I can look good for the other officers. Right. Why? You just want to look good for these other cops Mm. and you're going to be working around all these men. And so little things like that. And I'm like, no, I want to be fit so that I can be good at my job so I can, you know, so that I can perform to the best of my ability, you know, then when I actually got into um, my first position there, um, I was working in the jail first with inmates and things like that. You know, you it's, it's not like a nine to five job, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes there's incidents and you have to stay a little over, you have to write your reports and things like that. And if I were home a little late, it was an interrogation. Why mm. were you late? What happened? Who were you messing with? And he started just accusing me of of supposedly having affairs that I'm potentially, oh, you're probably having an affair with these deputies and things like that. And he would often pop by the jail because there's a little window that you can come to and drop things off just to kind of check on me. And everybody thought, oh my gosh, he's so sweet. He's bringing you food. He's bringing you whatever. And and it was nice at first, but I, I I know now that he was doing that to kind of check on me, right? To mm-hmm. make sure um, that I was at work or wasn't doing anything um, wrong in his eyes. 
Um, and oftentimes he would do that. And then he'll say, who was that guy <laughs> that you were standing next to? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this escalated after some time and escalated and escalated. And then it turned into, you know, just controlling the money. Right. So, you know, we would have arguments and if he, if there was any kind of discussion about divorce or, or even splitting up, he would pull money out of the account because we had a joint account and say, well, you know, if you're, if you're going to leave me, then I'm going to leave you with no money. Mm. So financial abuse is very real in these mm. situations where they attempt to control you by financially abusing you by pulling funds from you or not allowing you to access uh, money right mm-hmm. and he would say things like well how are you gonna how are you gonna buy food for the girls and how are you gonna pay the mortgage and things like that so those kinds of things began to happen and then there was he he was addicted to pornography and I didn't find that out until later I'd mm-hmm. caught him a couple of times. Um, with, you know, uh, watching mm-hmm. and with uh, porn magazines and things like that. So that was another big stressor in this marriage. And mm-hmm. so w- along with that, a little bit of what I didn't recognize then um, was that there was some sexual abuse happening as well. Mm. Um, I, I didn't, you would think me being a cop, I would know, you know, this is, mm-hmm. this, this was a clear sign of abuse, but I, I guess it didn't register to me that it was abuse. Um, so these things started happening. And then when that part, when that kind of abuse started happening, it triggered a lot of those childhood memories of me being abused as a child. And these, this is something I had tucked away mm. uh, deep down inside for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just, this, these raw feelings were coming out. And I thought, gosh, I need to tell somebody because nobody knew what happened to me. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, I'll tell my husband, maybe he'll take some kind of compassion. <laughs> maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it'll help him um, not do these things anymore. So I, I talked to him and in, you know, I said, you know, when you do these things, it triggers some very, very bad moments in my life. And I've never shared this with anyone, but I'm going to share this with you. And it was pretty interesting because when I shared this with him, I'm, I'm in tears. Um, he began to cry and we just started crying together and he apologized. I'm so sorry. Um, I didn't know that you went through something like that. And um, I thought, wow, this is, this is good. This is good. You know, he, mm. this is going to help us exposing, you know, these things and, and, and maybe he'll work on getting better. Unfortunately, that only lasted like a couple of weeks and mm. then he started again and then he would use that abuse against me. Mm. So now it was, I have issues. You have problems. You've never worked on your issues. This is why our marriage is so messed up. So these things just escalated until I just, you know, I, I had spoken to a friend and she said, this is domestic violence, Doris. This is, do- this is domestic violence. And I was like, well, he doesn't hit me, you know? Yeah. And he, she says, you don't understand. This is abuse. Mm-hmm. And in the academy, you go through domestic violence calls. 
but never, never the um, dynamics of domestic violence, right? They just tell you how to respond right. to a call, how to separate the subjects, how to keep everyone safe, charge the one who is committing the crime, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't, at the time, they did not talk about what the signs of abuse were or anything like that. So I, I still, and I felt so silly, so dumb because I did not know. Mm -hmm. And um, she had me talk to a confidential advocate and this confidential advocate, along with my friend, were the first to validate for me that I was in fact in an abusive relationship. Mm. So when that happened, that's when I kind of formulated a plan as to, okay, I'm going to get away from this guy. I can't allow my daughters to think that this is okay. Cause sure. you know, even though he often tried to, he was very slick. He, he often tried to do it at night when they were sleeping, but mm. they, our kids are so smart. They know more than yeah. what we like to give them credit for. Yep, yep. And our children suffer just as much, even some, some even more than mm-hmm. we do when we're in abusive relationship. And so I said, I cannot allow my daughters to think that this is okay and carry this into their own lives. I need, I need to end this somehow. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I went into um, trying to escape him, um, which was a really difficult thing that, that almost um, ended in my life being taken. But I'm grateful for that because I don't know what would have happened if I had not gotten away at all. So, um, yeah. That is, um, that's, that's incredible. So you, it must've been crazy being a, uh, being a a law enforcement officer, you know, like you said, you weren't some like meek, mild, shy woman. I mean, you, you know, you were tenacious, you were, you know, you, you, you went after this career that, you know, a lot of women wouldn't go after because they frankly probably would be scared. Like, why would I be a cop? You know, there's a bunch of big bad guys out there, but you like went head first into a career that had to be crazy. I, I assume in your mind being a tough cop, but also realizing, Hey, I'm going home to somebody who's completely controlling me. During the day, I'm controlling, like I am on patrol, making sure people are under control. But at home, I don't feel like I'm in control. Um, that that must have been crazy. It was so difficult um, considering that, and and I think that part of why I didn't speak up earlier was due to that because I thought, wow, if I share that this is going on in my own home, what kind of cop does that make me? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to be viewed as being weak? Am I going to be viewed as being someone who can't handle these types of cases, right? Because I myself am in one of those situations. Um, So that was tough. I I didn't want to share that with anyone for the longest time because I thought, gosh, I can't. What if my, what if it ruins my career? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so... Yeah, I and and it's so funny that you say that because when I would put on my uniform, um, it was pretty empowering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was empowering. It was something like you said that I can that that I felt like I can control. This was this was you know wow, I I feel so so um, empowered putting on this uniform. But then behind that badge, I 
it was the real me at home, you know, where I had insecurities, I had baggage, emotional junk that I never dealt with. And I was being controlled at home by, by my husband. Um, so that was extremely difficult for me to overcome. You know, I, I, I think I kind of, you know, after he started doing some things that were pretty obvious to a lot of people that I worked with, I, I said, you know, I have to say something because he, you know, he would call me nonstop. And if I wouldn't answer, he would just continue to call, continue to call, continue to call, continue to call. You know, and he would leave an angry message. Why aren't you calling me back? You know, literally, <laughs> you know, it, I was working in the jail and I would be in a physical altercation with a drunk person. Right. Mm-hmm. And and he's trying to call, <laughs> you know, and then I have to explain wow. to him that this is this is why I didn't call you back. And it was never good enough for him. And so. You know, and I, you know, I was, I was a small petite thing and, you know, I was part of an, a, a tactical team at the time. And so I felt really strong in that sense, but I was extremely weak in my personal life. And, and, and now, you know, I was just, I didn't know how to control that part of my life. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of thought that I was stuck in that. And it took a lot of encouragement from my, my good friend, uh, Karen who was also a, a, a cop at the, you know, at the time to do something about it. And mostly I did it for my, for my girls as well, because, you know, my daughter, Cynthia, Selena and Cynthia, Selena was about 10 at the time. And Cynthia was about five. And like I said earlier, your children are smarter than what you give them credit for. They know what's mm-hmm. going on, even mm-hmm. though you think that you're covering it up, they know what's going on. They are being just as affected. She did come to me, my oldest, and and she was in tears. And this was when he wasn't around. And she said, Mom, I know that you guys fight. Mm. I hear you guys fighting all the time. Every night, I hear you guys fighting. And I said, well, how do you, you know, I thought, I'm thinking she's sleeping. Mm. Um, and she, this part makes me <laughs> a little emotional. It doesn't matter mm. how many times I share it. So she said, Mom, I... I am so scared for you. She says, I Mm. sit outside of your door, bedroom door with a phone, because I want to make sure that I call the police if he hurts you. And I, I, it was just so shocking for me to hear that. Cause I thought, mama, he's not going to hurt me. He's, you know, and she's never seen him hit me or anything like that. Like I'm in, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, he's never hit me. But here's this 10-year-old little girl recognizing that there's that danger, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, That I didn't even recognize. And so after that, I said, no, no more. I'm not going to continue in this. I cannot continue in this. Little did I know that there was some abuse happening with her too behind closed doors when I wasn't around. So he was threatening her. Mm. And so, um, you know, telling her, if you tell your mom, I'm going to kill her. And I'll kill this whole family. And he was threatening her that way. Um, And I found this out later on. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was so much going on that I had no clue about. And uh, I I just, you think that just because, you know, I was a police officer, I've got, I've gotten comments like, you should have known better. How did you not know? Um, Well, until you're in the shoes of someone who goes through this, you don't know. You just don't know. I wish I did. I wish I had Mm -hmm. that discernment. I wish that I could have, you know, other than 
there's something not right about this guy, right? Um, I just couldn't put my finger on it. And I could, I didn't have enough self-confidence, I guess, to, to believe my intuition. And, and as, as I call it today is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was trying to, trying to guide me. Mm-hmm. trying to lead me in in a safe direction and i was just going against it each time going against it and so um because i second guessed myself mm-hmm. um always pay attention to that first initial gut feeling right uh, it, you know what i call now is the holy spirit just trying to give you that discernment that some this person isn't safe because i had those feelings i i felt it i just couldn't explain it away Mm. And so I wish I had paid attention to that. So, but when I finally did separate from him, um, he, we had separate, separated a few times here and there. He would go and stay at his mom's house when we'd had these fights. So it happened often. I'd always take him back, always took him back. Um, but this time after I found some more pornography stuff, I told him I can't do this. Um, he cried and I'm so sorry. I know I have a problem, that kind of thing. And I said, well, I need you to leave. I need some, a break. But I knew that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna take him back this time. Mm-hmm. He did not know that because mm-hmm. it ha- happened so often. Mm-hmm. And so once he left to go stay at his mom's and he always, I um, mean, in previous times he would, uh, uh, threaten suicide. If I didn't take him back, which is another reason why I took him back so many times, because, you know, my in my mind, I just I'm like, oh, I can't have him do this. Like I I would blame myself. I would feel so guilty. But he'd often threaten suicide just to control the relationship. And um, I thought he was I thought at the time that he would do it. Um, Mm -hmm. I do know now it was a manipulation tactic. But this time around, I was like, no. And so. Once he realized that I wasn't taking him back again, the threats of suicides came back. And I said, you know, God forbid you do something like that. But if you do, I'm not going to blame myself. That's your choice. Mm-hmm. And I would tell him things. And he got so angry. Mm-hmm. And he was just, you know, I, I went ahead and changed the locks in my house. I had set up a different account, you know, a bank account. I, I did all of these things to prepare me for this moment. I told my supervisors what was happening because now he was threatening my job, saying that he would lie so that I can get fired. Um, oh. <laughs> so um, he hacked into my emails account, email accounts for work, trying to get me in trouble. Wow. Um, all kinds of things that he did. There's so much that I can share, but it would be all day. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, sure. And then after he realized he couldn't come back and that I had changed locks and things like that, because he did try to come back, he just started stalking me and threatening me even more. And I had to get a restraining order uh, after mm. that. And this was the second time I attempted to get a restraining order. Uh, the first time I was denied because there was no physical abuse. Mm. or outright threats. But this time the magistrate did grant me one and um, didn't hear from him for about a week. And I thought, thank you, God, (laughs) he's Mm -hmm. out of my life. Mm -hmm. But what I didn't realize is that he was planning this whole week, what his next step would be. Mm. And so um, June 26, 2006, I um, came home from work and it was about 1030 at night. Because um, and I was on what they call light duty because I had a sprained ankle from a training incident. 
Mm-hmm. And so he knew all this. I, I, he had been stalking me. I had, I don't know how he knew all of these things. He knew I wasn't wearing my wedding band. He knew all of these things. I have no idea how he knew it. And so I came home from work. I was in civilian attire because I was on light duty, didn't have my weapon on me. But as I come to my home, I'm thinking, okay, I'm safe now. My mom had actually lived with me at the time. She Mm. would be in the basement, in the finished basement area of the house. And um, so she stayed with my girls and um, I let her know, hey, just like the, just like the plan that we had, the escape plan that we had, I would call my mom when I would leave work, say, mom, I'm on my way home because I knew he had been stalking me. I knew he was threatening me. So I, mom, I'm on my way home. Should take me about 15 minutes. I would do these things. I would um, change routes, all of, everything you needed to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he obviously knew where we lived because we lived together. So I got home and I and I looked at the driveway. I was going to get onto the driveway, but unfortunately it was blocked. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm home. I'm safe. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm home. Um, there was a big old trash can on my driveway, sitting in the middle of my driveway with the red letters ACE on it. And I'm thinking, whose trash can is that? And why is it in the middle of my driveway? Mm. So I went and parked on the opposite side which is closer to a house that was vacant strategically no the windows didn't have a view of that of that space and so as i exit my car to look at this trash can and why it's sitting on my driveway i see him come up from underneath the steps in front of my house because there's some little steps going up to the house he was hiding underneath Mm. steps because it was an open there was an opening and you know he was just dressed in black with a baseball cap and at first at first I didn't know who he was but then instantly I knew it was him you know once once I saw him kind of turn that silhouette I just knew it and I'm thinking what in what is he what are you doing what what are you doing you were in front of my house what do you think you're gonna do and he grabbed my arm and he said, you're coming with me. And I said, no, I'm not. And I flung it back. I said, I'm not going with you. And he had a gun hiding behind his back. And so he grabbed me again and he said, no, you're coming with me. And I can't even explain how many thoughts went through my mind in that moment. It was just like a zillion thoughts mm. in just that moment. Like, what am I going to do my my girls are in there. My mom is in there. It, I had to make a split second decision. You're told never, never to allow somebody to kidnap you and take you to a second place because your chances of surviving that is very, very slim. Mm-hmm. But if I tried to fight him off with him having a gun pointed at me, then my chances are, of survival is pretty slim. And not just that. He can go after my family. Right. And so I, I told him, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. And I just said, please, you know, and I just asked him to please, please think about what you're doing. And so he had parked all the way up the street and I'm thinking somebody's got to see me, even though it was dark. I'm Mm -hmm. like, please, somebody come out, somebody, somebody see this and nobody. And I was too scared to scream or anything like that. Again, I did not want my family. I know I know him and I know he would try to get 
to my family just to get to me, if that makes sense. Hurt yep, them yeah. just to hurt yep. me. Yep. Uh, there was a little incident about that prior to that too, um, where he tried to um, set one of my daughters up. Mm. So I went and long story short, he, he ended up raping me that night. Uh, he took me to this very secluded place in the middle of a train track. And I thought he was going to kill me. Mm. And people often ask me, you know, you were taught in self-defense. You were taught all of these things, um, how to stay safe. Why didn't you fight back? Honestly, I was paralyzed. Yeah. I was paralyzed. I could not, I was in shock. I, I literally was paralyzed. I, I felt like I was that seven-year-old little girl that was being abused. I couldn't do anything. Mm. All I could do was cry. Mm. All I could do was cry and, and, and beg him not to, not to take my life. But by the grace of God. Mm. By the grace of God. Yes. I was able to escape. And my goodness, that is a book in itself. <laughs> mm, mm. God came through. You see, and, and people ask me why I'm so... Everything about my life now revolves around Jesus. Everything. Mm. You hear that saying that those who have been forgiven much, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgive much and love him mm -hmm. um, and are grateful. And that's why, because he didn't have to come and save me. Yes. Um, this part is, these are tears of joy. Trust me when I say yeah. this. Yes, yes. Um, I had been so far from him. I had not prayed in years. I did not even want to be close to him. But mm -hmm. in these moments, when I cried out to him, he he actually listened and he he literally just picked me out from that pit you know like mm. david in the psalms he lifted lifted me out yes. out of the pit of despair and he saved me mm. and i cannot tell you how it, it's really difficult to explain in words that supernatural sense of just just peace and and comfort and protection like it was amazing. And I just knew after I cried out to God um, in a moment, you know, with, you know, within that scenario, there was a time where um, I was able to cry out to God and he allowed me to go into a convenience store bathroom after he inspected it and things like that. Long story short, but I just sat in that bathroom and I just cried out to, to the Lord and I said, God, I know this is not what you planned for me. Mm -hmm. And if you're real, yeah. I need you to save me. My girls need me. Yeah. And it was like this instant peace. Mm. And supernaturally i was able to escape that situation it was soon after that where my ex dropped the ball you know he he was so meticulous in everything he was doing and in that moment after that prayer and after that experience i had with jesus he dropped like he he, he wasn't as meticulous and he made some mistakes and it allowed me to escape mm. and i don't even know how i got home honestly i just don't I, I jumped in that car. I couldn't even reach the pedal, but I just, I just kept saying, Lord, get me home, get me home, get me home. And I got home safely and the police were waiting for me because they were searching for me. This has been hours that I was missing. Mm. Um, uh, my mom and my daughter, my oldest daughter saw the car that I had parked it, but I wasn't inside. So they immediately called the police and they immediately started a search and 
Um, they, um, they caught him the following day hiding in his dad's home, hiding in the kitchen cupboards of oh his my. dad's home. Um, and he, he's been in prison ever since. Mm, mm, so, um, wow. but I'm grateful, um, because I oftentimes, you know, the, the story doesn't end that way for a lot of victims, unfortunately, mm. um, many victims are, uh, murdered, um, or murder suicide, which is what I thought he would do. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I used to drive myself crazy about, you know, God, why, why did I live and why did this person not live? But I can't, I can't do that anymore. It was, I guess it's called survivor's guilt. Yeah. And, but now I'm just, I'm just grateful. You know, there was a purpose for why I'm here. There's a purpose why I'm here. There's a purpose as to why I survived that. And um, the, the devil couldn't have me that night. The devil sure. couldn't have me that night. And, and this is why every breath that I take, I'm grateful for and everything that I can do in life to, glorify God and help people in any way that I can is, is what I do because I, I'm so grateful for him taking this lowly person, this person that <laughs> had been so far from him and, uh, and saving me from that situation. Man, there's, there's a, you think about it and like, like we talked before the show, you know, we're either been in the church or we're positioned in the church. And so, you said something in your story where you said, well, I'm a cop. I don't, you know, I don't want this to look bad on my job. Do you think it's the case a lot of times? Because you, mainly you'd ask, well, why stay? Like, why, why not? Like, for someone who hasn't experienced it, those are going to be the normal questions because you, yeah. we just don't understand. Why can't you just leave? Why wouldn't you leave? Why, when you notice the signs, why wouldn't you? Do you think a lot of it is just the fear of failure of yourself, the fear of failing somebody else, the the concern of what others may think is just so much more powerful than the the realistic really reality of what you're going through in that moment or Absolutely. I think for me that was the case. Um but there's a lot of reasons why, right? So mm-hmm. if you think about the church, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work around the churches and, and domestic violence and support groups within the church for these situations. And I kind of wanted to, you know, I want to kind of zone in on that a little bit. Within the church, the reasons that I've heard is, what is the church going to think of me? Well, they're not going to believe me because he's a deacon, or they're not going to believe me because he's a pastor. He's very well respected in the church. These kinds of things are often reasons or are what, you know, they, they're just going to tell me I need to pray more. They're just going to tell me I need to be more submissive. Maybe I'm not being submissive enough. Maybe I'm not being a good wife. But absolutely the fact that as much as we say, oh, well, I don't care what people think. Most of us do, especially yeah. when we have insecurities. Um, we do care what others think. And, um, you know, the older you get, the less that is. But when you're in that situation, that is powerful that, mm. you know, and not in a good way, but it does kind of keep you stuck in these situations where, you know, and of course, within the church, you know, scriptures, you know, that God hates divorce and all of these things that are thrown at you. And, you know, some, some, you know, in the church, you know, you don't want to go against God's word. And maybe some of these people in the church don't necessarily understand the, the, 
the context around some of these verses, right? Or maybe yeah. they maybe they're just not maybe maybe they're just not they don't know how to interpret the word so much and so they just hear these little one pieces of scripture right yes. so wives you must submit to your husbands but <laughs> you know like in ephesians 20 in ephesians 5 where it says you know wives submit to your husbands but they don't look a little further into the into the chapter where it says husbands love your wives love your wives and, right yeah and treat her as Christ loves the church without blemish, right? Yes. Do not speak harshly to your wife. Mm -hmm. um, those power, those are powerful verses. And so whenever I hear um, that piece about being submissive and, and all of these things, I say, okay, well, let's, let's look a little further into that chapter and see what else it says. Right. Um, so I try to break that down into, hey, you know, we have our part, but they have their part too, right? In this marriage. And um, there's that mutual respect that needs to happen in this marriage. And, and, and Jesus didn't, you know, tell us that, you know, we have to just be a doormat, right? Right, right. Yeah. Nope. Nope. So, so it's, it's, it's really that spiritual abuse, again, that's another sign that's huge. It in the church where you're picking and choosing verses to try to control your spouse. Mm -hmm. um, and churches are not immune to abuse. We are, it's, we're not immune to abuse. It happens often. I, I heard it one time. I'm not sure if this is a, a recent statistic that one in seven families in the church are experiencing domestic violence in their household. Um, I think that's low considering one in four women experience it and one in seven men experience it. So mm -hmm. I think the one in seven in the church is probably low. I think it's more that we just don't hear about, but happens often. And unfortunately, you know, pastors, God bless them, you know, are not equipped to handle those kinds of things. Sometimes I think it's getting a little better these days, but what I tell pastors is, Hey, you know, I understand, you know, you want to help these people, you know, and all of that. But if you're not, if you're not very well versed with the dynamics of domestic violence, maybe you should refer this person to someone who is instead right. of you saying you need to pray more. That's right. You know, praying more prayer is powerful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's your first yeah. line of defense, right? Sure. Or it is your first line of defense. But maybe say, okay, you know along with this, we're going to connect you with someone who's a little bit more well-versed in this area mm -hmm. um, so that they can help you kind of, um, first of all, validate that this is an abusive relationship, right? Because mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of times we deny it, we're in denial. And then second of all, okay, what can we do from here on out? Not mm -hmm. every domestic violence relationship is, is exactly the same, it can't, you know, there's a lot of very similar things. Um, I, I'll, I'll often say that there are a couple of different kinds of abusers. There are the kinds that maybe they grew up in that kind of lifestyle. That's what they know. Mm -hmm, That's right. how they've learned to treat their spouse. And so it's normal to them, right? It's, it's kind of like, hey, this is just the way we do things. This is just the way I grew up. This is the way that marriages work and cyclical, right? And uh, at some point, you hope to break that cycle. And then there's the other category of abusers. And this category is 
and forgive me for saying this, I don't want to scare people, but it's almost demonic. It's, 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 it's very, it's not, it's not almost, it is. Exactly. It, it is. So, so and I, sometimes when I speak like that, people get a little freaked out, but <laughs> no, the it's enemy real. has a huge play in this. Yes. Right? His whole purpose, the enemy's purpose is to, to break up the family unit. Yes. I mean, that's, that's his goal from the beginning of time. Yes. He to divide. The, mm-hmm. the woman and man he wants to divide the family that That's is right. his whole goal this is how disaster happens in our world right it starts within the family unit yes and so there's that second category that are just it is demonic and it mm-hmm. and it's they're 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 sociopaths and it's not that they just grew up in it right it's that they have like this goal to control and, and it, they get off on it. It's so yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. So that was the abuser that I had, unfortunately. And so there is hope for those who can just say, wow, maybe I just never thought that this is not how a marriage works. Right. Because I have it is difficult for an abuser to people say, you know, all oh, abusers are always going to be abusers. And unfortunately, statistically, that's been the case. But there is that group where they just didn't learn any better, right? Mm -hmm. And if they can take responsibility and get some good help, right? And 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 really dig into, you know, you know, therapeutic type of ways and and spiritual type of ways to to handle that, they can actually get out of that, right? But it's a lot harder for these that are influenced demonically for the you know and um, you can do a delivery session i don't or a deliverance session i don't know however um for some reason i don't see a lot of those abusers break away from that cycle unfortunately they end up in jail they end up taking their own lives they there's so much there so um but there is hope i don't want to say that there's no hope for somebody to get out of that but you don't have to stay in this dangerous relationship until they get that help. That's it right. is unsafe. If you know this person is unsafe, if you know this person has the potential to hurt you or your children, and it's not safe, I don't believe God expects you to stay in there That's until right. this person is supposedly fixed. That's right. You yeah. safety, right? The yeah. safety of your children and yourself is important. Yeah. And you can pray and 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 you can pray for them and you can um, maybe throw resources at them and things like that, but safety, your safety is important to you, uh, to us. And your safety is important to Jesus. I truly believe that Jesus wants you to be safe. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this may sound weird to some people, but one of the things that I told my wife early on in our marriage was, and while I'm thinking normally and, and everything is okay, I said to her, I said, if I ever get to a point where I am not myself, I am repeatedly doing things that you know I should not be doing, or I'm just, I'm just out of control. I'm not listening. I've like, I'm not like, God's not the head of my life anymore. Like, just things that she would see. I said, you have a hundred percent right, and I want you to go to my pastor and expose me. I said, whatever pastor that we're under at that particular time, please. And I said, don't tell me you're going to do it. Just do it. Right. I said, because 
it one, it's safety for you, but it's also it, it could save my soul in the end. Yeah. Don't let me spiral out of control. Like right. go and expose me. And cause that's the biggest thing, right? We we don't want to be exposed, right? And obviously, and, and she knows I'm not saying every little thing I do, you know, I'm not gonna be perfect. Right. But when it when it's outside of of who she knows that I should be, yes. I, she needs to have the outlet to know, hey, and and I told I told you to do it, so he could, uh, you know, if you go to him and I don't know it, and he and he approaches me or whatever the case may be, whatever happens there, that's your outlet because I don't want to ever get into a situation where you're in in danger, which I don't think will ever happen, obviously, but. You know, things happen with people, you know, I, you know, they say hurt people, hurt people, you know, and you talk about the things that are bottled up and, and things that you never thought, like all kinds of things, you know, and you don't know what's going to happen in life and how you're going to react to things when they do happen. And right. so, you know, as a safety net, and I would just encourage other husbands um, to to maybe do something like that. I, I, I'm not, you know, saying that that's the the standard here. I'm just saying you know, you know, be open, be honest, be vulnerable, um, and allow yourself to be exposed when things are not right. Because right. at the end of the day, sin and evil festers in darkness. Yes. And this this is why the devil love. You know, the Bible says that you know we you know men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are yes. evil. And so, you know, keeping things, not saying anything because, wow, well, I don't want my husband, you know, my husband's a pastor, my husband's a deacon, he's on the board, he, you know, he's the CEO of name your company, right? That's not more important than the safety of yourself, the safety of your children, the legacy of your family, right. his own uh, health and, and well-being. I mean... It, it's nothing materialistic is that important. Absolutely. And, and so we have to make sure that we're bringing, and that's why we, we bring these things up on our show, because we want these things to be brought to the light. And we want victims to know that they do have a voice and they don't have to stay in darkness because the longer you, you keep this thing hidden, the longer it's not going to stop. You're right. <laughs> you know? So I just... You know, I, and I think one of the things that blessed me so much, Doris, and, and this is for any person who su survives a horrific event, it can be taken two ways. You could have taken this whole situation and said, God, why? Why me? And, and I'm not saying that there were not some of those human thoughts in at some point, right? Yeah. But your end goal, your, your the end of it could have been, you know what? I will never serve God because if a God, if, if God is so good and he allowed this to happen, why would I want to serve a God? I mean, we hear those types of things, but that, that was still the mercy and the grace of God who caused you to run to him mm -hmm. instead of running away from him. But you ran to him and you said, Hey, I, God, I need you. Like, I can't do this. Like, it it just blesses me when that happens because it's so sad when a person goes through horrendous things like you went through and then turn around and serve 
the very person who caused that to happen to them because their heart is now hardened towards God. Yes. You know, and the devil loves that because it's just a double negative. You know, it's a, you know, and that's God is here to restore us. He's here to bring light. Everything that is everything that is the opposite of evil, all the things that are good. And that's why, you know, you said, and, 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 you know, we talk about this on the show too, is bad theology, just misguided theology. You can't divorce. You should not divorce for any, like the Bible says, except for infidel, like, okay, let's, you know, the Bible is not going to name every single solitary thing on, in the, on the planet. You know, if your husband is molesting your daughters, you should not be with your your husband. Right. right. Like, I mean, God has also given us common sense. Yes. You, Thank you. Know, you. <laughs> you, know, you know, he 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 spoke about that specific thing because that's what he was taught. He was he was he was bringing us higher, saying, "Hey, you know, if if you know, if a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he's already already committed adultery in his heart." He says, well, "You said that we could, could you know." There's the Bible. Jesus at that particular time was trying to bring us up higher, right? Not to cover every single solitary issue that would ever happen. Right. That is common sense. If you're being beat, if you're being verbally abused to where you can't function as a mother or a wife or you're whatever the case may be. And these are things a person is unrepentant. A person's not. And I'm not advocating because I have a lot of pastors to listen to the show. I am not advocating for divorce at every turn that somebody does something wrong. Mm -hmm. But I am talking about when you are in immediate danger or you, your children are in danger. What, 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 I mean, what common, like, do you, there's no common sense that will tell you that you're supposed to stay in that. And what God would tell you to stay in that. He just wouldn't. Absolutely. And I, I tell you, um, Kevin and Kyle, there, uh, sadly, um, there was, I'm sure there's been more than one, but there was a time, um, and I don't remember how exact long ago, but there was a pastor who was counseling a wife who was in an abusive relationship and he kind of convinced her to stay and pray for her husband. And the husband was a well-respected man in the church, mm. uh, wasn't part, wasn't a deacon or anything like that, but well, this went on for a long time and she, she took this pastor's and please, for, please don't say that, you know, don't, don't think that I'm saying that you shouldn't listen to your pastors. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about this specific issue when you're in a dangerous, in, you know, dangerous situation where it could potentially physical harm, right. Yes. Or death, God forbid, which mm-hmm. sometimes we don't think it would go that far, but trust me, it can, these situations can go that far. My situation was emotional and psychological abuse. He never laid a hand on me. And he mm-hmm. took it as far as almost killing me. So it can happen if it's a situation that bad. But this this woman was told by her pastor not to leave. And sadly, tragically, she ended up being killed by her husband. Mm-hmm. So please be careful um, when you counsel people who are in these situations. Safety, safety, safety first. The safety of those children and, and that person in that situation um, I, I know that I, I believe that Jesus would put your safety above anything else mm-hmm. um, in these situations. And so just keep that in mind. If you're not equipped to counsel these people or point them in the right direction, if they're in these abusive relationships, maybe it's too, maybe you're like, I don't know how to, you know, 
I'm a pastor. I know how to pastor. I know how to counsel, but this is, this is out of my expertise or this is out of my comfort zone. I, you know, it's okay to refer these, these yes. people out to somebody who knows how mm-hmm. to handle that situation, who knows how to help this, these people. So, um, just keep that in mind uh, as you as you counsel the people of your church, and and it's okay to talk about these things, <laughs> right? Um, like you said, yes. Kevin, it's it's okay to expose yes. this darkness. That's mm-hmm. how um, you bring these things to light, and that's how you that's how you kind of defeat the enemy in these situations. Is that you expose this stuff, right? Yeah. And uh, the more that we expose it, I think the more. Um, you'll see these things come to light and, and, and less of it can happen within the church and in the community. So, yeah. Yeah. And you got to remember if, if you are going through it, maybe you don't even know you're going through it, or maybe you may think you just listening to the story could be on the verge of abusing a way out. Doesn't necessarily just mean escape a way out could be help for both. And I know, you know, we talk about Jesus, the Jesus I read about, he approached things, he did things through love and it was love for both sides. There was never one person against the other or one section against the other. It was that there was a victim and there was a criminal, but both deserved love and they deserve a chance at it. And so I just feel like, especially in, in homes, I think, especially with the enemy, controlling the narrative is always going to be the number one key. If you can control the narrative you can control the perspective. If you're someone who's being affected by somebody else controlling your narrative, that's a sign in itself. And if you're somebody who finds yourself trying to give excuse and trying to control the narrative so you don't look bad, that's a sign in itself. And so I think just out of this story, that's on the basis of anything. You don't know what the future is going to hold physically, emotionally, verbally, but what you do know is in the now if someone's controlling your narrative or if you're trying to control someone's narrative, there's a reason for that. And and there's there's toxicity all around that. So you need to get to the root of that. And if the root of that is separating yourself from that individual, whether it's for a period of time so that both of you can get help because already at that point, you've been wounded too as a victim because you have been just controlled and lied to and manipulated. And manipulation is huge. Uh, I, I don't know that that's covered enough in any discussion when it comes to abuse, Mm -hmm. but if you are someone who manipulates, you're abusing somebody. And if you're somebody who's been manipulated, you change the way you live out of that manipulation. And I've both been, I've been on both sides of that. And it's a shame to say that I've manipulated a situation out of shame. Um, whether it's an argument or disagreement or, or trying to make an excuse to something, it's still abuse. It's still it's still going to leave damage in some sort of way, and you've got to right that wrong. So I think out of this story, what I've taken out of is we can recognize it right off the bat when someone's trying to control a narrative. I mean, from the beginning of time, Satan did it. Okay, he literally tried to control the narrative of what God was saying to his creation. Yes, and uh, and so it's it's evil, and that's why I said it's demonic because it's evil. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's agendas and there are plans that we don't necessarily wrestle all the time against flesh and blood, and the Bible's very clear about that. But there's principalities, there's rulers of darkness of this air, and you're you hit it on the head when you talked about the unity of the home. And we could go on for hours about even now what this nation is facing in the unity of the home. And we'll, we'll do that eventually on this show. 
Mm-hmm. But Satan knows, and the enemy yeah. knows, is if, if he can go after the identity of the home, it is mm-hmm. so much easier to go after personal, individual identities after that. And so I think you hit it on the head perfectly with that. And so if you're listening, take note. We're not saying, <laughs> listen, don't go home and be like, my husband or my wife, I need to get a list down of what they're doing. But you know, you know, listening to this, you know, if you've, because it's, it's triggered some things. Um, and so just be aware and be vigilant and knowing that it's out of love that you want help for yourself, but you want help for the other person. Mm-hmm. And, and don't deny it. Like, cause the first, the first reaction when you feel like this could be your spouse or you feel like you're the person, the first reaction right. is going to be to deny it. No, no, right. no. I'm just taking right. this too serious. I'm in my emotions. I, you know, whatever the case may be, please. As Doris said, you, you have a gut feel like you, 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 and which we now know if you're listening to us, you're a Christian is the Holy spirit, right? Yep. You, know, you know, we, so, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times people ask me, well, Kevin, how do you hear from the spirit of God? How do you, what does that sound? And I always say he uses your own five senses. Like yeah. it's right. not some outside mystical thing that happens. So right. when you have this gut feeling like, Oh, Oh my gosh, that's me. Or, Oh, that's my husband. Like whatever, whatever mm-hmm. that feels like, right? He's going to use your five senses to speak to you. And you know, you've got to pay attention to that. And I know yep. it's hard. I yep. know it's embarrassing. I know it's, you know, all of these things, but you can't let all of those things come in and and block you from getting help. So if you're listening, please just don't excuse it anymore get help and some of the common things and and we're gonna we're getting ready to wrap up here because i want to be you know respectful of doris's time today but you know is some of the things is you know if i would just submit this would stop horrible horrible way to think you know my husband's in ministry we talked about that and i don't want to i don't want him to lose his job you know this really doesn't happen in christians homes i haven't really heard of this happening to anybody else in my church you know so this just must be some i must be wrong or weird or something's wrong with me or just internalizing it and feeling like it's your fault like you feel like well but if i was a better wife if i could just cook better if i was a better mother if i would just have had that career that he wanted me to have or if I would just quit my job or if like whatever the demands are or the manipulation is, you know, none of that's true. You have to understand none of that is true. Um, What's true is your husband should be treating you as Christ loved the church, especially if you're a Christian that I mean, that's plain in the Bible. So if that's not happening and I, you know, and I, we're all going to fall. We're all going to make mistakes. We're not all going to be right. perfect. Right. We're, we're, that's right. not what we're saying. Right. But if it's outside the pale, you're being manipulated all the time. He's constantly at, where are you going? What's going on? I mean, he can't trust you. Like, yeah, come on, folks. This is not God. This is you. You know, that's not God. And you're being verbally abused. Right. It, it, on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. The way he talks to you, if other people are going, I don't like the way he talks to you. Mm-hmm. When 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 I'm around, like I feel like he's, and sometimes you don't even realize he's talking to you that way until somebody else says something. Right. So 
be let's folks let's be let's be cognizant of that and i so doris i i truly appreciate you coming on today i really do um thank you so much yeah thank you I don't take when a vict- you know when people come on that are victim of any type of violence. I don't take that lightly because mm-hmm. sometimes it, it's just not easy to tell the story again. I don't care if you told it seventy million right. times; it's not easy. Sometimes it trig it's a trigger for you, and so I just want you to know that I I, I don't take it lightly, and I I appreciate you coming on. And you know we're praying that this will cause so many other people to be free. Amen. Amen. And can I add one more thing? Yeah, of course. God is so good. God is faithful. He is. And his promises are true for every one of his children that is willing to take that truth and say, I receive this Lord. So Mm -hmm. when he says he heals the broken hearted Mm -hmm. and he he patches up your wounds, receive that. When Mm -hmm. he says that he'll take you know, like Joseph, for, you know, the harm that you did for me, you, you know, you intended to do me harm, but God intended it for good. Receive that, right? God mm-hmm. will make, as crazy as this sounds, um, the enemy has his intentions. Mm-hmm. But if you surrender those things over to the Lord, God will make good out of it. Yes. I can't tell you what good came out of this situation. Not that that was God's original intention. I truly believe this was the enemy's plan the whole time. Right. But God, yes. but God, he came in and he he took the situation and, and, and he took this lowly person um, that didn't deserve his grace, didn't deserve mm. what he did. And he tur- he shifted my life. I, I, I am healed. You can heal. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of emotional damage that happens after you go through domestic violence or sexual abuse or whatever the enemy throws at your life, right? But healing is also just as real. And um, the enemy has this plan, but God is always going to overcome those plans as long as you surrender that. If you invite the Lord into your life, if you invite him into those wounds, um, even some Christians, unfortunately, don't understand that God can heal you. Mm-hmm. God is faithful to heal you if you just surrender. And if you don't know how to do that, ask him and he'll show you. If you don't know how to forgive, ask him and he'll he'll give you the strength to forgive. I've been able to forgive him. Not that we're buddies. He's sure. in prison. Have I ever gone and visited him? No, I pray for his soul. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have forgiven him. I have not been led to go and visit or anything like that. That's not what I mean here. What I mean is that through that forgiveness, Uh, that you're able to extend someone who's hurt you, someone who's offended you, healing comes from that. There's there's a supernatural healing that takes place in your own life when you can extend that grace and that mercy, right? And um, I'm healed. Like, God is so good. I... I, I am full of joy. I have an amazing husband right now yeah. um, who is everything that Jesus is to the church. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful awesome. for that. And, yes. um, you know, I have a beautiful family. I have a, you know, a new 10-year-old little boy. I say new, but <laughs> yeah. um, my girls are doing good. Um, there's been a lot of emotional stuff they needed to work through as well. But God is good. And never forget that God is faithful in getting you to where he where where you need to be just trust him surrender it over to him he'll guide you he truly will yeah yeah i love yeah i love hearing that and 
you know, I always say this is that one of the best characteristics of God is he is a redeemer. I mean, that's really that's who he is. I mean, think about what's happening right now. He's he this whole time of this. We've been on Earth and humans have been on Earth is he's redeeming us back to himself. Like that's the whole thing. And at the end, we'll, it, the total redemption story is going to be complete yes. that he got us all back. That's and that's that's what he does. So it doesn't matter what situation you're going through, even though, like you said, the, the original situation was from the enemy. God didn't orchestrate it, but he takes that and then redeems it, flips it on his head. And in, in, in the face of the enemy, which is a powerful, like we serve a powerful God that can take something that horrific and turn it into something so beautiful. So again, it, you know, this is a great, great, great thing that we've heard today. And uh, Doris, so I want to make sure that people can follow you and reach you. Uh, so I know that we can go to DorisRiveraBlack.com. And uh, Rivera is spelled R-I-V-E-R-A. So it's DorisRiveraBlack.com. And I know there's other places. So Doris, what what are some of the other places that people can see you, get involved in maybe some ministries that you're involved in? Sure. So I actually have been terrible at um, this last year with COVID and all that. I'm a realtor here in, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So I've been so busy with real estate that I have kind of neglected my my Facebook pages and my social media stuff. But I, I'd like to get that going again. But uh, you can find me on Facebook if you just type in my name. I'll, I'll be on there. My speaker page is on there. There's a lot of great organizations um, that you can follow. I was recently, I'm not part of it anymore because I've been so busy, but uh, I was recently part of uh, uh, Break Science Against Domestic Violence. Um, and if you, even if you Google recently, I used to lead a All Hope Restored, which is a domestic violence support group. I haven't been doing that in a while, but but there's a lot out there that people just, just don't realize. If you mm-hmm. Google, type in in your area, I'm pretty sure most areas will come up with some kind of local organization that can help you and even ministries. So um, find me on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, I do, you know, I, I, if you, if you find me on my personal stuff, you're going to see that I just talk about real estate, Jesus, my family and um, jujitsu, because I'm, I'm, I'm involved with Brazilian jujitsu and I'm obsessed with it, but (laughs) so that's, you can see a lot of that. Um, But um, I, I'm very open to, you know, allowing people to follow my pages and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I get personal messages a lot for people who need help. And I, I try my best to stay on top of those or at least refer them to the right people, those kinds of things. So feel sure. free to reach out anyway. And if I don't have the answers for you, then I can certainly point you in the right direction. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, Doris. Well, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, Kyle, tell them where to find us and all of our platforms. Yeah. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Thinking Out Loud podcast on Facebook. If you go to Instagram, it's thinking underscore out loud. We're also on Twitter as well. And so you can catch all of our advertisements, see who's coming up to speak 
on the next week of the episode, usually we'll have, like Doris, we'll have her photo up and we will let you know about her story so that you know what episode is coming up. We have giveaways. We just did a giveaway about a week and a half ago. And so you can get us on social media. We also have a YouTube page. So if you want to see us in person, these videos will be up on YouTube as well. Thinking Out Loud podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And tell your friends we're on every platform pretty much for podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, everywhere you consume podcasts. So we are super excited that you joined us again for another week. God bless you guys. And we will talk to you next week. Next week.